What is going on, Trash Talkers? We are back with another episode for you. In today's episode, we start off with some breaking news coming out of Antonio Brown's home in Hollywood, Florida. Next, we recap both of the conference championship games in the NFL. Also, we continue to track the fallout from Signgate in Major League Baseball, as two other teams have lost their managers. Finally, we react as Major League Baseball Hall of Fame votes are finalized and we reveal the class of 2020. All that and much more coming your way right now. It's off the letter, defended by Simmons. Is this the tagger? Welcome back, everybody. I hope you're having a great week. We have a lot to get to today, so let's get started. We're going to start off with some breaking news. Uh, Antonio Brown's Hollywood, Florida home has been surrounded by police, and apparently there are as a, sev- a severely injured person in the home. Uh, early reports indicate that the police have named Antonio Brown as a suspect in connection with a battery that took place in the home earlier today. Uh, no re- no arrests or charges have been filed at this time, uh, but it should be worth noting that Antonio Brown is uh, in the thick of it once again. Um, Nick, just give me your initial reaction to all of this. I'm I'm over this entire situation. This man has been removed from uh, football for almost a year now, a uh, full year if you were going by weeks, and he just co- constantly is digging himself a deeper and deeper hole. So why I don't know if he's you know calling out you know this is a way of asking for help or it, maybe he wants no help and he's just trying to deter everybody uh, that that might want to help him. I don't know. This this man obviously needs to get his life together, but it does doesn't seem like it's gonna happen anytime soon. Uh, it, Antonio Brown ha- has a lot of work. I don't think he. I think his career is completely over. I don't think he ever gets another shot, and I don't think he deserves one. Honestly, he's done. He's done too much to tarnish his legacy, his name. Everything that he did on the field is now gone in a lot of people's minds. And I I don't think there's anything he could do to recover any of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, if he were to somehow, by the grace of God, ever make it back into the NFL, first he'd have to find a new agent. Um, As we 
you uh, you know posted on Twitter and talked about on our socials. Um, Drew Rosenhaus dropped AB as a client until he seeks professional mental help. Um, AB's uh, general counsel was granted permission from the courts to recuse himself from defending him in civil cases that he has going on. Um, and then, obviously, earlier this month, Antonio had an aggressive uh, interaction with police as he berated his children's mother in front of the children, and then he live-streamed it on Instagram uh, a lot of people think he did that just to make it look like he was the victim, but um, it, it didn't come off that way in the slightest. Uh, this man seriously needs some mental help, and I honestly hope he gets it because this. I mean, I don't. I can't say for sure, but it didn't seem like this was the player that was in Pittsburgh, um, and then it seems like you know, some bad things started happening in his life and it has just taken the ultimate spiral out of control. Um, I just, I don't know what else there is for Antonio to do at this point in time besides seek mental help. I really don't. Yeah, there there really isn't too much else. Uh, we we don't know the full story, honestly. I, I really kind of, I, I want to give him the benefit benefit of the doubt, but it truly is tough. He, yeah. he is not making it simple on anybody to to give him any sympathy. It is. Uh, it should be noted that in, obviously in the United States you are innocent until proven guilty. Um, he hasn't been charged. Like I said, no charges have been filed. Um, but he is uh, considered a suspect at this time. Police are going to continue their investigation, and we'll find out more going forward. Um, but I I just want to start off with that breaking news. Let's move on to the actual football field itself. So this weekend we had uh, some pretty interesting games. Um, obviously, it was the uh, championship weekend. We had uh, four teams fighting for the right to represent their conference in the Super Bowl. Uh, so we're going to start off with the Tennessee Titans at the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, it was the first game of the day on Sunday. Uh, Nick, I want to get your initial reaction. What did you think about uh, the Chiefs beating the Titans? Um, I can't say I'm too surprised. Uh, I am a little upset. I really wanted the Titans to, to pull through in this one. I thought they were the biggest un underdog story coming into the playoffs, and I thought they were going to they were going to be the Cinderella story that we haven't seen in a really long time in the NFL. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, things didn't turn out that way. Um, the Chiefs had a great game. They really did. They held Derrick Henry to um, minimal yards compared to his previous uh, uh, postseason games this season. And uh, you uh, kept just kept that defense. Um, you you uh, kept the offense of the Titans off the field. And you, you pretty much handled the entire uh, second half of that game. It was uh, it was tied up going into the, into the halftime, but uh, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes figured out a way to maintain possession, drive uh, down the field, chew up a lot of clock, and get a solid win over the Titans. And um, yeah, I as much as it, it pains me to say, the Chiefs had a good game and they beat a good team. Yeah, so, I mean, the story within the story really happened, like, at the end of the first quarter. So, for those of you who didn't uh, didn't watch it, the it at the end of the first quarter, the Titans were 
rolling on all cylinders, and it didn't look like the Chiefs had even showed up to the game. Honestly, it didn't even look like Patrick Mahomes was himself. Um, and we've seen this time and time again with the Chiefs. It looks like they try to feel out their opponent for about a quarter, and then they figure out a way to strike. Well, they they did their typical second quarter magic. They ended up getting it uh, to a tied game going into halftime, and you could kind of feel that the tide was shifting a little bit. It seemed like um, Eric Bieniemy and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid had kind of figured out some way to attack this Mike Vrabel defense, and and they really got after it. If you look at you know the the um the way they did it i mean they were just taking deep shots down the field and and logan ryan and kevin byard and and those guys they couldn't keep up with the likes of tyree kill or or sammy watkins i mean they were just getting past the the deep coverage um even when they were playing zone it just the, the speed wasn't there so i mean they figured something out that um I think only the Chiefs could have figured out if you look at the style of offense that they play and the types of players that they have. I don't think there's anybody that remotely comes to the same uh, style of play that they bring that could have done that to the Chiefs. I mean, uh, to the Titans, sorry. Yeah, it, yeah. the, the Chiefs, uh, the, they've, you know, as much as they've done so far... Um, they have their their biggest task ahead of them, and it'll be really interesting to see how they're able to handle the the Forty Niners um, with the stout defense, this offense that uh, seems to be able to get the job done consistently, and, and a great coaching staff with Kyle Shanahan running the show. Um, I, I, yeah. I, you know, Andy Reid, he's been to the Super Bowl before. Um, obviously, it was with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, he, you know, he had Donovan McNabb and Terrell Owens and, and, those, and those boys. But, um, you know, this is, this is going to be very interesting. And we'll get more into it uh, next week when we uh, take a deep dive into it and give our predictions. But, um, you know, the... The Chiefs haven't seen a team like the 49ers. Um, if if you want to come close, it was last year against the Rams, and that was an ultimate shootout. Um, so I, I think we're in store for a fantastic game. Uh, but the, there's definitely a lot to be had by watching this Titans game against the Chiefs. Uh, the 49ers are going to have a lot of a lot of notes to take, um, but one thing I want to get to about this game specifically is I, I believe that Tennessee abandoned the run too early. Uh, they the run is what got them there behind Derrick Henry and that power running game. Even if you're not getting yardage, you need to continue to pound that defensive line. Even if you get down by a score, maybe even two scores, continue to pound because the problem is even though you may be using, uh, you know, chewing up clock, you're also, you know, badgering that defense into uh, not being able to function properly. And then once you get them into a state where they don't want to tackle anymore, uh, then you can start taking those shots that they tried to do. I think they abandoned the run too early. I just want to get your thoughts on what you think about that. Um, I I agree. I think they did abandon the run a little too early. Um, Derrick Henry's your, your um, workhorse. You're not going to just it, – it's kind of like taking the ball away from Marshawn Lynch on the one-yard line uh, when he's having a great game. 
Uh, it's just something you, you really shouldn't do. Um, and it's just going to create a lot of trouble. Uh, that's what it seemed to do. I thought uh, Ryan Tannehill, for the most part, had, had a decent game. I was surprised the offensive line for the Titans struggled so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I expected a lot more from them. I, don't, I know playing in Kansas City is one of the hardest things you could ever do. That that environment is just so grueling and so tough, and it's so loud with the with the weather. It was freezing. It, it, there, there's a lot going on. I still expected this stout offensive line to do a lot better. Give Tannehill some more time. Uh, you know, AJ Brown and Corey Davis made a few plays. Um, not getting Johnu Smith. I, I wish he was um, there for them. Uh, uh, he he would definitely would have helped out a lot, uh, but Fersker uh, played a good game. He he held his own. Uh, if it were him and, and like I said, if it were him and Johnny Smith, it would have been a lot better. That being said, the Titan uh, the Titans defense couldn't stop. Um, they they couldn't stop Travis Kelsey, and that that was a huge uh, issue. If you want to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, you need to be able to stop Travis Kelsey and then stop Tyreek Hill. The biggest weapon on the team, for sure, is Travis Kelsey. Uh, I, I think the run game um, shouldn't have been as strong as it was. Yeah, uh, th- there were there were just some issues that sh- they they were non issues beforehand, and they became issues in this game. And I don't know if that's the coaches paying too much attention to their flaws and not strengthening what was already strong, making like maintaining that strength. Or what it was. I think it was just uh, an oversight, uh, but it, it ended up costing them big time. And even in the areas where they knew they needed to focus, they they fell short. So, one yeah, uh, one of my biggest takeaways on this game, honestly, was the fact that Damian Williams had such a strong game. I would have never expected in a million years that Damian Williams was catching, you know, uh, was gaining six, seven, eight yards a clip uh, on on dive plays, simple dive plays right up the middle. It seemed like that Chiefs offensive line got like a, you know, some type of fresh air, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, this is how you run block, and and you know that's a stout defensive line that they went up against. That that that's not something you take for granted. So. Um, yeah, you know, it, it was definitely uh, interesting, especially as time went on. It seemed like the Chiefs uh, kind of abandoned their deep passing game once they gained that lead, and they used the uh, the Titans game plan against them, and that was just to run clock as much as humanly possible. You, you try to bring down the clock, and then hopefully there's not enough time uh, for a possible comeback, even if Tannehill was able to do so. Um you know, there wouldn't be enough time. And I, I think, you know, like I said, I give all the credit in the world to uh, Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid for coming up with such a such a good game plan. And, and it seemed like shifting mid-game to get that game plan in place. It didn't seem like it was the original game plan they came into uh, the matchup with. So it was a, it was a good good idea on their part. Yeah, yeah they, play, they played a great game. I, I can't tell why. Um, but uh, like I said, they they have a lot of work ahead of them. They have two weeks to prepare for uh, a very strong team. Um, it'll be interesting. Uh, yeah. I I don't I I truly don't think that the Chiefs have um, a lot going for them. But they surprised me with how well they played against the Titans. 
I, I think with two weeks, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes could could put something together to make this a very interesting game. So. Definitely. Um, and you talked about that tough matchup that's heading their way. Well, let's talk. Let's get into the how they got there. So the Green Bay Packers visited the San Francisco 49ers uh, on Sunday night, and um, honestly, it was over from the get go. On you know, it seemed like the Packers defense just didn't show up. They were nowhere to be found. Uh, I believe it was Raheem Mostert. Uh, yeah, yeah, he most just he ran all over that team. Four touchdowns, four For, touchdowns. Absolutely incredible what he was able to do. He was a man amongst boys, and that, you know, not to go backwards, but that's what I expected from Derrick Henry, not Raheem Mostert on Sunday. If you gave me all the running backs that played on Sunday and said this is who's going to have four touchdowns. He might have been toward the back of what I would have said. Um, well, especially with the amount of talent in that backfield. I know, you know that, yeah. Mostert's been a staple for them this season. He's been mm-hmm. their their uh, go-to guy in clutch situations because he's been the most consistent. But then you you have your stars in Matt Burita and Tevin Coleman. And Tevin Coleman was putting in some work, but Raheem Mostert stole the show. He truly did. Absolutely, and and that wasn't just like a a nobody defensive front that they're going against. I mean, they have some studs up up there in Green Bay on that D line and and as outside linebackers. Um, and you know, they were talked about all week going into the game about how was uh, San Francisco going to uh, account for these guys, especially in the passing game. Well. Looking back at the stats, there were only eight passing attempts, and they completed six of them. Uh, they didn't have to worry about pass rush all that much, it turned out. Uh, so, I, you know, my star for the game was Raheem Mostert by a long shot. Yeah, uh, he he had a huge uh, role in this game. And uh, I don't, I mean, things weren't going to be different if he didn't have this game. Uh, the 49ers defense was uh, playing probably their best game of the season. And I, I don't think, even if Jimmy Garoppolo, Raheem Ostart, Tevin Coleman, all these players weren't around, it would the defense could have won it by themselves. So uh, it's not, you know, it, it's, it's still very impressive what Mostert did. Um, it does make me question about their, their, it does make me question their passing game a little bit. And I think that's where the biggest issue for San Francisco is because Jimmy Garoppolo, he's been tested only a couple times in uh, key situations where he's had to make a big play. And one of those games he lost. Uh, it's, he, has, he hasn't been in a game like the Super Bowl. And to only have eight passing attempts leading up to that game, it's, that, that's not a good sign. That means either your coaches don't trust you you don't have trust in yourself uh that that trickles down into your receivers who are saying i need to bolster my run game and and less focus less on you know running my routes precisely or catching the ball because we're a one-dimensional team and i think the coaches need the coaches and jimmy need to get together figure out a way to get this the passing game going early Make sure that the Chiefs are on their toes because they're going to fully be expecting this three-headed monster in the run game to be in full effect. 
and you need to show them that it's not only them, it's the passing game as well. Yeah, um, the the worst thing you can do, especially this late in the season, heading into the Super Bowl, is become one-dimensional, right? You don't want, um, you know, Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo to get together and say, okay, this is what they like to do. If we take this away, they have zero shot. So there, I believe that Kyle Shanahan is going to have a lot up his sleeve to get Jimmy ready for this game. Uh, you know, Shanahan has been here before, not as a head coach, but as an offensive coordinator. Uh, and he, so he understands how to get the offense ready. And, you know, if you look back at that game, obviously it didn't turn out the way he wanted, but, you know, the Falcons scored plenty of points on offense, and they were able to move the ball very well. And I would say, right now, he probably has a more well-rounded team than those Falcons were on offense. So, you know, I, I, I think that Kyle Shanahan has plenty up his sleeve and, and plenty uh, to work on this week, but um, or over the next two weeks, but, you know, he... He's in good shape. I, I think that the the running game is going to make it that much more difficult for um, Kansas City to game plan because that not only do they have to shut down Mostert, but they have to game plan for Matt Breida, like you said, and Tevin Coleman out of the backfield. Um, George and, Kittle. And then, yeah, and, boy, you, and then you look at your receiving. Game, yeah. Right, you it's, look at your receiving targets. You got George Kittle. You got Emmanuel Sanders. Um, Debo Samuel. Debo, yeah, the list goes on. And we're not even getting to some of the other studs that they have out yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have plenty of weapons. So for Jimmy, this is going to be a huge game. But he did spend three and a half years under Tom Brady. Okay, um, who is clearly the greatest of all time, and for somebody, if if you had to tell me that there was one young quarterback in a tough situation, I might go with Jimmy G, just because he has seen the best do it and seen how the best game plans for this situation, and he knows what needs to be done. Right, but there, then, there's a difference between being there behind the scenes and getting to know that situation versus actually being engulfed in that situation yourself and having to deal with it. Right, but then you're taking somebody like Patrick Mahomes who's never been there, not even as a backup. So he doesn't understand what it's all about. So I would take the semi uh, experience, if you will, over zero experience, honestly. Right, but this is, Patrick Mahomes has been in these tough situations. He's been in a lot of big games in his career and he's done really well. And I think that the Super Bowl is going to be no different. He's been in these crunch situations. He's pulled pulled out and been the success, the been able to succeed in those. I think he'll be just fine. I think, I don't think just being able to learn this in theory is the same as practicing it. And I think that's going to show a lot because the Chiefs rely ninety five percent on Patrick Mahomes and his ability to throw the ball or just move the ball down the field. Uh, the the 49ers have shown that they can rely almost 0% on, on Jimmy Garoppolo and still have a tremendous lead. But what, you, what you're forgetting is that 
Jimmy Garoppolo has to go against the Chiefs defense, while Patrick Mahomes has to go against the 49ers defense. If you're a young quarterback who's never played in the Super Bowl and those are your two options, who would you rather go against? I'm My, taking uh, the Chiefs defense I am every not, time. I'm, I'm tired of sleeping on this Chiefs defense because as much as I want to give them crap, it's hard to because they've shown they can get the job done. That's all that you need to do is get the job done. It doesn't have to be pretty. It just needs to work. Well, I'm not a believer in the likes of Frank Clark uh, or even who knows if Chris Jones will be able to play. I mean, he didn't even finish Sunday's game. So uh, there's a lot that is still up in the air for the Chiefs. If he can't go, that's a huge loss for them. Yeah, I mean, don't forget they did add Terrell Suggs. I know he's old, but he has a lot of veteran experience. He's been in this game he, he he knows how to get the people around him prepared and yeah. ready for the situation. And Emmanuel Sanders, on the other side, has been in this game and won it as well. So, you know, both teams acquired players that have this type of experience. Both teams have players that aren't uh, super um, experienced, but... I have a lot to learn and a lot of capability and I, you know I'm I'm just not I I'm excited to to really break this down next week um but just to go back to this Packers game and the 49ers I I saw a lot of potential that the Chiefs are going to have to really take note of that running game is insane that passing game can be insane at, if it's at its best um you know, there, there's a lot of players that you have to account for, and you know, we'll, we'll see. But one thing to note: Jimmy G can also move with his legs, um, just like Patrick Mahomes can. They don't. It's not a preferred method of moving the ball down the field, but they both can do it. Yeah, I mean, I I think Garoppolo is one of the more unathletic quarterbacks in the new era, but like he he can if he has to. It's going to be the last thought that runs through his head. It's always mm -hmm. your first, second, third, fourth check down, and and then think about it. It's it's not like the the typical uh, young quarterback these days because he's kind of in that transition area, and he's sat behind he sat behind Tom Brady for so many years. He's learned uh, a pocket passer style of playing the quarterback role, and, and that's. A blessing and a curse because it makes you a better quarterback overall, but it makes you a weaker athlete. Right, exactly. Um, one thing before we uh, move off of this topic that I really want to get to is the defensive front for the San Francisco 49ers. I'm absolutely in love with the job that Robert Saleh has done. Can we just talk about him real quick? This is the most underappreciated man in all of NFL. In all of the NFL, would you agree? Oh, that's a tough one to give I mean, out. It, it really, it's pretty close. It's if not, clo it's close. I want. I've said this previously. I want to see him do it one more season because. He yeah they did okay last year. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo was out the entire year. This year they only had two wins last year, right? I mean you know it's like and but the defense was still there, right? The defense, but I, that's why I said they did okay for what they had, right? Um, I'm just I want to see consistency out of 
uh, the defense before I say he is the best assistant coach available. Well, I I, be- I believe in him. Call me a Robert Sule believer. Call me, you know, whatever. But he, he really is. I, I think what he's done, and maybe maybe I'm looking too far into his game planning and not looking at the surface too much. Um, but look at the talent on this defensive line. You have Nick Bosa. You have Arik Armstead. You have... Um, uh, I can't think of his name. Solomon Thomas, mm-hmm. uh, and that's those are just the last few years of picks that they have, not including everything else that they uh, D Ford, who they acquired in free agency. Um, they have they can rush the passer, they can stop the run, and that's just with uh you know a basic front four, front five uh look at you. That's not including their linebackers like Fred Warner who kind of burst onto the scene this year. Um Quan he, Alexander. He, yeah, Quan Alexander who has all has been a stud for a long time. He just came uh, back but, too. Well, he he was down in Tampa where nobody pays attention to floor uh, to to football. Uh so, you know, he gets to San Francisco and starts to really show what he's made of and people are like, "Huh, Who's this guy, and why did he go to the Niners for not that big of a deal? Well, it's because he was in Tampa, and nobody knew about him, you know, unless you truly deep dive into the sport. Um, so, the, I mean, there there's a lot there, but I, I honestly believe that this this is a very special defense that we're going to look back on years from now and be like, holy hell, how were they all together? And that's not include. we're not even talking about the fact that they have Richard Sherman who is playing like he's been reborn. You know, he's playing like his old Seahawk days, honestly. Um, well, that, you know, I mean, he, that's what's going to happen when he doesn't have to do it all himself. Richard Sherman has been this, this top, top of the line cornerback his entire career, but when he has to do it all himself, it's a lot harder, and because of the style in which he plays, it's hard for him to play at this uh, at this level all the time. You know, he 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 can now shed some of that pressure off onto his teammates because they're veterans, they have experience, they're athletic, and they have a great coach that's teaching them and supporting them. Yeah, I you know one thing to note is that um, you know you talked about how Jimmy G was out all of last year and then I brought up that they have they only had two wins. Mm-hmm. Well, if they didn't if Jimmy G didn't go down last year, let me ask you this, do you think that they are in this position because that allowed them to draft Debo Samuel early in the second round, Nick Bosa in the first round. I mean, these are some big players that they were able to draft early on because of where they lied in the draft because of the injury. So do you think that without his injury last year uh, that the 49ers are in this position? Uh, I mean, that's a tough question to answer. I think that they would be vying for the Super Bowl. I can't guarantee they're in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that pretty much going into the the playoffs this year, we almost guaranteed that the 49ers were going to end up in this position. Nick Bosa has been an amazing player for them. He has taken, uh, I, you know, I said this about Richard Sherman, but he's taken the pressure off of the other studs they have on that offensive line, and he's been able to thrive himself just like he did at Ohio State. And the the mentality he brings, the the energy... Uh, it it all 
has just you know given new life to to everybody on the on the the, the roster they have been doing so much better with him with Debo Samuel uh the, these guys have pulled them out of uh, you know bad situations and they truly have made an impact so yeah i think that there there's a good shot they're not in this uh, exact position uh but it, i mean it's it's not a foregone conclusion that they couldn't have done it without them yeah, no, I agree. I, it was something that I thought of earlier, you know, thinking about, you know, how'd they get here? You know, how did this happen? Well, how did they get, how did this uh, talent team get Nick Bosa? Well, that's because they didn't have a quarterback last year. I mean, half of the year they had Brian Hoyer at quarterback, who we know can't really play anymore. Um so I, I think there was a, a lot of things that f- kind of fell into place for them to, to really build this team, um, and including the Jimmy G injury. Now, you never like to see anybody get injured, but it seemed to have helped the team more than it hurt them, in, you know, especially moving on uh, in the long run. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. So um, I think uh, that's a good enough point there for the uh, – 49ers Packers recap I I want to uh definitely get back to it next week where we're going to get a deep dive into the prediction of the uh Super Bowl we're going to go position by position and and check out you know who has advantages and where um so stay tuned we'll get to that next week uh, I kind of want to shift focus right now uh to a story that we've been tracking since it kind of broke, and that would be the continued fallout from the Astro sign stealing scandal um, and everything that has transpired since then. So I'm just going to rattle off a couple things that have happened since then, and Nick, just uh, give me your reaction uh, about all of it. So uh, first, the Red Sox and Alex Cora uh, have mutually agreed to part ways. Uh, Alex Cora will no longer be the... Uh, manager for the Red Sox, Carlos Beltran, decided to step down as manager of the New York Mets. Both of them were with the Astros during the 2017 season when this was all said to have taken place. And um, as a result, after the Astros fired um, uh, A.J. Hinch, they have now had in-depth conversations and interviews uh, with Dusty Baker about taking over as the manager role. So, uh, Everything that's kind of happened so far, to just tell me what you've thought, what you, where you think everybody's going to go, and what's going to happen. Well, I, I think it was smart on the part of the Red Sox and the Mets to get in front of this uh, and, quote-unquote, uh, part ways with their uh, respective managers. Uh, it's a very nice way of saying you're fired because you participated in something that has uh you know put put a bad mark on the name of the game and uh, i i think that's the the right thing to do these two guys will most likely never get another job in the sport um and i think that's that's what should happen the punishment that they might receive um you know it it could be uh a couple of years or so um, but the punishment that the public is going to put on them and uh, just the 
how they're going to be blackballed. So it, it they're pretty much, you know, given this death sentence and uh, won't be able to coach again in the sport. I, I, I agree with that. I don't think there's any room for people like this. Uh, I don't, I don't care what kind of part you had. You didn't say anything. Uh, you knew about it. Um, there, there's no denying that you knew about it. So I, I, I agree. I agree with that. Um, and it's time for these teams to move on. You know, they're, they're starting to conduct interviews and think about who they want to run their team because spring training's right around the corner. You need to have a manager in place to get the team in re- uh, ready for, for April. So I think that uh, they're going to find the right person that's going to lead them uh, down a clean path. And that's going to help just right these wrongs a little bit. Um, kind of get rid of this PR mess, this PR nightmare for their team, for the MLB. The MLB is just tired of everything that's going on, uh, and they're just trying to to mitigate this as well as they can, because with these accusations just keep on coming, coming, coming. They need to figure out a way to kind of stop it and internalize it. <laughs> Because if this just keeps coming, you know, pouring out into the public, especially into the season, you want them talking. You want people talking about the players and their their play and uh, your you know your favorite teams, not the scandals that are going on within uh, the league. So they need to figure out the best way of getting ahead of this. And if that's uh, just finding out who who the big players are in, in these um, uh, cheating scandals and, and punishing them. Maybe that's the right way. I'm not sure. That'll um, that that'll be for them to figure out and, and uh, for them to hand down a punishment. But I think what they've done so far, the MLB as a whole, has done a great job of correcting um, everything that's gone on. Uh, they've done a good investigation. And as they continue to uh, look into other clubs, they're going to, you know, make the the right decision, uh, you know, as they did in the original punishment of the Astros, whether that's, you know, punishment on the teams of the Red Sox and Mets, or if they uh, just put uh, punishment upon Carlos Beltran and... um, Alex and Alex Cora, thank you. I, I think that they're going to do the right thing. That I have more trust in them than most other sports uh, because of what they how how they've handled the situation till now. Sure. So uh, the Mets won't receive any punishment. They just hired Beltron earlier this off season. So I mean, he hasn't even been there, you know, uh, six months, and he he chose to step down. The Mets ownership tried to talk him out of it um but he said he said that it was uh best for the Mets organization and probably for the sport of baseball so uh that's why he decided to leave um reports uh in Boston are saying right now that Red Sox ownership uh tried to get Alex Cora to stay as well but they wanted him to stay until um, the investigation into the team was over and then make a decision. Uh, Alex Cora just wanted to be done with the whole thing, so that's why they 
uh, quote-unquote, agreed to part ways uh, just because he didn't want to wait. I'm sure he has a sneaking suspicion of what they're going to find, and, uh, you know, he wanted to just be out of town by the time all of that comes down. So, you know, as we've, you know, bludgeoned this, uh, this topic with, like, a, you know, with a bat. I just want to go through some of the scenarios that we're looking at. The Red Sox have looked at Ron Renicki and uh, Jason Veritek in uh, to take over for the managerial position. Um, you know, real quick, I think Jason Veritek is the best option at this point. Um, you talked about PR. I think Jason Veritek's the best por- uh, the best point of PR that this sport and this team can find he's beloved in Boston and he was always a clean player. Uh, he was one of the last players in MLB history to wear the actual C on the Jersey for captain. Um, so I think he is what MLB wants in a manager. I think it would be a perfect scenario. Now talking about the Mets, they are in shambles because they really, they really didn't, they don't know what to do. Um, they're looking at, Somebody like ESPN's Eduardo Perez. Um, they're looking at Tim Boger, uh, Hensley Mullins, and uh, Luis Rojas are in those discussion as well. But they had, I mean, the list actually continues to go on. Yeah, I really don't know what the Mets are going to do, especially with all the money that they poured into the team. This is like a huge shot in the arm for them, and I, I really. I, I kind of feel bad for the Mets because, like, they don't deserve any of this. Um, but they decided to hire Beltron without knowing, and uh, you know this is where it led. Um, so you know, you talked about allegations continuing to come out as well. I, I just want to address, you know, the the Astros have more allegations that not only did they cheat in 2017, but they cheated in 2019, uh, which was the this past season where uh, Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman were wearing buzzers underneath their jerseys and they would get buzzed when certain pitches were coming their way so they could be ready for it. Um, you know, these are just accusations at this point, but it seems like there there might be some merit to these. And this, this is just a, a circus right now uh, for Major League Baseball. Um, and I know a lot of people will say, well, you know, all publicity is good publicity. This is not good publicity. People are mocking Major League Baseball as a sport uh, on top of the ever-declining numbers that they continue to see season after season. So for this to continue and for this to, to keep arising, do you, do you think there's going to be more accusations that pour out more than what we've already heard? I imagine so. I think that... This is just a snowball that is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. I've seen, I've already heard other teams' names thrown out there for uh, either the same thing uh, for sign stealing or for uh, other, you know, things that. And, and people are just firing from the hip. They want to see what sticks and what you know what they can just really get away with. Um, uh, I think if they were, if the MLB were to do a deep dive into every team, you're going to find something. None of these teams are perfect, and it could have been something that what happened years ago. It could have happened recently. Something has happened in almost every one of these uh, clubhouses, and it probably wouldn't be too far uh, too hard to find if you you did a small investigation into it. And I know the MLB doesn't want to 
go anywhere near these other teams. Uh, e- even if there's a small accusation, I think they're going to try to steer clear as much as possible because they know that it's going to get worse. They know they'll find something. I don't think the MLB is going to try to cover anything up. Um, but I, I just hope that for the sake of the game and for its integrity that these the people who are accusing them know their actions and if it's nothing severely major that they kind of keep it to themselves because what the the history of the sport and and what it's about is truly at stake at this point if you keep piling it on people are going to start leaving the game or not enter it at all i think yeah i think this could be a huge issue if it continues I'm just hoping, or that's they'll not just the play overseas and not worry about Major League Baseball. You'll see Japan's leagues or or uh, Hispanic leagues growing. Well, that, um, I mean that's possible, but if you really think about it, what is an MLB athlete? They're they're fast, they're strong, they're tall. Like they have the, these traits that are perfect for other sports: basketball, football, hockey. These are other sports that could use these players. You think Aaron Judge could? You know, go be the next LeBron James. Probably, he has. You know, these these are athletes. They're not just baseball players, right? So it 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 would it would just hurt the MLB to lose these type of uh, players, uh, these upcoming players um, who have these skill sets. If the if the reputation of the the sport keeps getting tarnished more and more. Yeah, I mean, there's a the. Uh, you know, when you peel the covers back on something, you never know what you're going to find. And some questions are probably left better unanswered, in my opinion. Yeah. So, um, you know, as long as the allegations aren't completely damning, like you said, you know, if somebody says, you know, uh, I believe that uh, this person was cheating against us and there's nobody to corroborate it or whatever, y- you just you say, shut up and play ball. Um, I think that's where, you know, they, they have to go right now as a sport, as a, as a league. That's, that's really where it needs to, needs to stay. Um, but on the bright side, the MLB had some good news today and that would be Hall of Fame selections. So, uh, as of 6 PM Eastern standard time tonight, uh, the, uh, official, Voting results have been published. Derek Jeter and Larry Walker have been inducted into the Major League Baseball Professional Hall of Fame. Um, Derek Jeter received uh, 99.7% of the votes, um, and Larry Walker received 76.6% of the votes. So only one person did not choose to vote for Derek Jeter, um, and then 90 three did not vote for Larry Walker out of the 397 that are present. Yeah, I mean so I mean the just to put it out there, you need 75% uh votes uh, of all votes in order to be um selected for the MLB Hall of Fame. So, I mean even if Derek Jeter was the only one above 75%, I believe he's the only one that's eligible to get in. Right. So he was six. Vo- Larry Walker was six votes above that seventy-five percent mark. Was, yeah, and this That's... this being his last year of eligibility, I know there were some people 
uh, who were voting that just did it because they they knew he this was his last shot and he probably should be in, but they weren't willing you know willing to risk it because there there's no takesies backsies in this situation you know there there's no redoing it and I think that you know if the, if it weren't for that he might have missed out uh, if people kind of weren't as uh, lenient in his uh, situation mm-hmm. but yeah the one thing I mean Derek Jeter deserved it first of all I well, mean I mean Derek Jeter uh, of course deserved it not only did he deserve it he des- he deserved being unanimously 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 <laughs> unanimously <laughs> voted in thank you I can't speak um, <laughs> he deserved to be in uh, no I we don't know yet who this one person is I think they said it'll be said on February 4th when it goes public uh, each of these uh, ballots will get posted uh, and that's when we'll find out exactly who uh, said that or didn't put Derek Jeter's name on their ballot. I want to know who it is. I think that they should get their, uh, you know, media credentials taken away from them. They, no one should take them seriously. There's nobody else that was eligible to be voted on, uh, for hall of fame that deserved it more than Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter, I, I see some people saying, oh, he's arguably a top five sh- shortstop. I think he's the best shortstop. I don't know if there's much you can really say against the guy. He For 20 seasons, he was the almost the face of the league. He he was the face of... I think of, he was the face of the sport. Yeah. Not just the league, but the sport worldwide. Everybody from Japan to Cuba to well, yeah, Venezuela, if, they know who Derek Jeter is. Yeah, if you thought of the Yankees, you knew Derek Jeter. Uh, he was the first person that came to mind. He might even still be. He is... He had such an impact on the sport. The way pe- people try to mimic his playing style all the time. Every time you see them at shortstop, grab the ball, do 180, throw to first base, you remember Derek Jeter. He has had su- such a big impact. I don't think I don't understand how anybody could have left him off their ballot. It, it really boggles my mind. It pisses me off to an extent. I want to know who wronged him. Well, uh, and nonetheless, I mean, he made it in. Um, he and made that, it in. That was and the... We knew he was going to make it in. I don't think that that that's a given. We we it was a question of whether it was unanimous or not, and it should have been. Well, the like that's your opinion. I'm going to let you have your opinion. Um, as it stands, there's only one unanimous selection in the Major League Baseball Pro Hall of Fame, and that was Mariano Rivera. So, um, you know. Being one vote off, you know, it sucks, but I, you you can say that you're the only thing closest to Mariano Rivera in the Hall of Fame. That's that's pretty cool, I would say. Um, but, yeah, you know, a lot of names that people kind of think about when it comes to this time of year um, would be a, a lot of the names that were associated with the steroid era. You have Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, um... You know, Gary Sheffield, Manny Ramirez, Sammy Sosa, uh, Andy Pettit. These are guys that, um, you know, if you looked at their careers on paper, should be no-brainer Hall of Famers. But because of their transgressions on and off the field, 
it has soured the baseball writers from putting them in there. So um, this is the highest that these players have seen so far. So uh, Kurt Schilling hit 70%. uh, Roger Clemens, 61. Barry Bonds, 60.7%. Sheffield hit 30.5%. Manny Ramirez, 28.2%. Sammy Sosa, 13.9%. And Andy Pettit, 11.3%. like I said, if you looked at their careers on paper, they should be first or second ballot Hall of Famers. Um, but because of what they are associated with and that uh, they are part of the darkest days in Major League Baseball's history um, and basically the sole cause of it, they will be left off for many years. And I'm not sure if or how many get in at all yeah Um, i I don't know if any of them get in i think for the sake of the game and where it is right now i don't think you can let them in i don't any any of them anybody who has been uh convicted of steroid uh abuse in in the mlb i don't think that they should be allowed in yeah Uh, i mean the only one that i believe should be is kurt Schilling, honestly and he's not left off because of steroids he's left off because he said something racist one time i mean and that was after he was out of the league I, i don't know how you can leave somebody out of the hall of fame because he said something that was construed to be racist one time I, I just don't understand, nor do I agree with that sentiment, personally. Um, but that's just my opinion. Uh, I just want to say this. Uh, this is going back to our first topic. So uh, this just came out that Antonio Brown's trainer, Glenn Holt, was taken into custody and charged with felony burglary battery, and Brown was not arrested. So as of right now, it looks like Antonio Brown might be in the clear and his and his name is just being thrown around because he has been, you know, putting himself out there lately in very negative ways, uh, and people are just quick to point the finger. Um, this might be the glimmer of hope that he needs to kind of change things around and and help clear his name. Uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see uh, as more details come out what happens and see if. Uh, if he's the victim in all of this, and how well he can play that card if he is. Uh, yeah, um, you know, for for Antonio, I think this is a sigh of relief. Um, you know, even though you say, you know, if you're him, you're saying, well, I didn't do anything, why should I breathe a sigh of relief? It's the fact that you're in another situation that involved the police, that involved a serious allegation, um, and you're looked at as a suspect. I mean, these are things that normal everyday players, even who do have the same caliber of talent like him, aren't putting themselves in these types of situations. Uh, it just seems like he seems to find himself in these situations time and time again. Um, I, and I, I don't back off of my original sentiment. I believe he needs to find mental help. I believe he needs to to really talk through some some issues that he has that he probably doesn't even realize right now 
but he he's heading down a dark path and um I really do hope the best for him and I I I just think his career is at a point where the league doesn't want to be associated with him teams don't want to be associated with him and I think it's it's all but over at this point yeah, it'll be interesting. I I I, st- I agree with you. I I don't know if there's anything he could really do to uh, clear his name enough to get back into the league. I still think that uh, his career is over. Uh, unfortunately, he he is such an amazing talent, and it's a shame to see that go. We've seen too many of these NFL players leave the game er- too early, um, and. This one is his doing. Um, you know, if he's able to clear his name in this situation and in the other allegations, uh, the ones that are uh, going through court proceedings as we speak, then things might be a little bit different. Uh, there might be a couple teams out there willing to give him a second shot. As of right now, there's nothing. There's nothing for him. Oh, I agree. I agree. I, I think... Uh... Antonio has played his last down in the National Football League. Uh, you know, we joke, but you know, maybe if he wants to continue playing football, the XFL isn't too far off from what he should be thinking about. <laughs> he would never, absolutely uh, never. It's just you know, yeah, you gotta, you gotta. If you really want it that bad, you know, it's kind of like Colin Kaepernick. If you really want to play football that bad, what are you willing to do for it? You know. Yeah. Right. So. Um, I I think with that, uh, we're going to wrap up this week's episode. Uh, We appreciate everybody who listens and everybody who uh, comes to visit us on our social media platforms. Uh, We like to hear from you. We love uh, any comments or any uh, stories you want us to cover. We're all over it. Um, And and, uh, I'll say until next week when uh, we dive into the Super Bowl, uh, you know, let us know what else you guys want to talk about. Until then, we'll catch you later.